Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at dcaureview.com. Now... Here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 84 of the DCAU Review. I'm one of your hosts, Cal, and with us is our other host, my good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter page. It's my good brother, Liam. Liam, episode 84 of the DCAU Review is here, and we are sticking uh, in that world of Justice League. Yeah, we have a pretty interesting episode to talk about this week. We haven't done very many that uh, focused in on the Wonder Woman character and as fate would have it or uh, fortune whatever you'd like to say a new a brand new trailer for the next Wonder Woman live action movie just dropped this past week uh, so what better week to talk about a Wonder Woman episode than this one right here that's right and the episode in question that we will be reviewing today is Made of Honor, Parts 1 and 2, that coming from Season 2 of the Justice League and originally airing back on October the 18th, 2003. That's right, 16 years ago. Uh, it's on Cartoon Network. Yes, that's right, folks. Cartoon Network, back when Cartoon Network actually showed cartoons. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and more than just like Steven Universe and Teen Titans Go. So, uh, but yeah, it's not that I have anything against either of those, those cartoons, but, uh, love big, big King Titans go guy. Anyway, back to, back to the <laughs> topic at hand, uh, Liam. So this episode, as you mentioned, is a wonder woman heavy episode. However, it doesn't just feature wonder woman. We have a little bit of a, the start of the budding romance as what the young kids on Twitter have dubbed or the DCAU community has dubbed wonder bat, that's right. Yes. The budding romance, uh, something that was never really hinted at or explored, to my knowledge, in the comics too much. It seemed seems always it was always a pairing of Wonder Woman and Superman, the two, uh, you know, super beings, as you were, and uh, Batman who was left to fend for himself and deal with Catwoman or whatever, you know budding reporter of the month was but uh interestingly <laughs> enough bruce tim in, enjoyed and and the the powers that be the writers and, and certainly uh Dwayne mcduffie who wrote this episode uh enjoyed uh heading down this road and exploring this but uh, i guess before we get into talking about that Liam, let's let's get the imd synopsis for this week, this week's episode to give the listeners at home uh, uh just a brief idea of what this episode entails Yes, and uh, as you mentioned, these these will be the synopses for parts one and two of Maid of Honor, which was written by Dwayne McDuffie and directed by Dan Reba. And those synopses read as such. Diana makes friends with a flighty princess, only to discover her fiancé is the immortal supervillain Vandal Savage. And for part two... The Justice League works to thwart Vandal Savage's plan to blackmail the nations of the world with an orbiting railgun. Mm. 
the old orbiting railgun trick. Tails all the time. Yeah, yep, absolutely. All right, uh, so let's get into our dissection of the plot here. That was a pretty good synopsis, as IMDb is known to be, but uh, we start out with Wonder Woman in Paris, France, and she sort of saves this, what we find out is a Kaznian princess. Liam, in case anybody at home is uh, not as deep into the nerddom as we are, uh, do you mind explaining to the listeners what Kaz- the country of Kaznia is? It's basically DC Comics' Russia, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's not quite a one-to-one thing, obviously, because they have, like, kings and castles. But right. it's very clearly the accents are all generally, you know, Russians. And they're sort of the stand-in. They've been, uh, even go back to Superman, the animated series, and, and later on in Batman Beyond, the uh, the nation of Kaznia. As they're, they're always involved in usually something nefarious involving, like, trying to buy weapons or uh, or something like that. And there's actually, we can get into this maybe a little, it's more of a visual gag, but there's actually uh, an appearance by the gentleman who uh, Derek Powers is trying to sell near, uh, nerve gas to in Rebirth mm. Parts 1 and 2. Mm. Him, this time with a full head of hair, appears in the background of a few scenes. So Love it. What a, the, what a, what a cool Easter egg. Yeah. But uh, so yeah, Kaznia, as, as as mentioned, has kind of always been this stand-in for Russia or for another sort of Eastern European country uh, that's that's always sort of up to no good and always uh, and and I guess here they're they're in the midst of some sort of civil war or at least an uprising, and uh, it seems at first that the that uh, the princess Princess Audrey is you know becomes friends with Wonder Woman is sort of being attacked possibly by them. We also find out through Batman who also happens to be in Paris investigating these robberies uh, that some of the people that involved that are involved in these robberies are Kaznian special forces. So who happen to look a lot like intergang agents. Same, I just I was going to bring that, that up there. if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, we can get more into that in, uh, in Easter or in, uh, in visuals, but yes, that was, that was immediately distracting to me because they look very much, <laughs> wearing intergang costumes and even kind of have like intergang apocalyptic weapons. They went to intergang. They went to, to the same tailor. Yeah, they went to the same tailor as the intergang uh gang, I guess. Do you, think, do you think after the invasions didn't work out, Canto opened like a surplus store somewhere on Earth and they just the intergang uniforms and wrist lasers or just get them at a discount now since they failed it. to kill Superman for so long? I, I mean, that makes as much sense as anything else does when we <laughs> you, you turn it into a fan theory. So I'm on board with that fan theory. Yes. But anyway, from, from there, we, we discover that Princess Audrey is engaged to allegedly the grandson of the Vandal Savage that we first met in a savage time. And later, of course, is revealed that, no, in fact, it is the same man as uh, he is, in fact, an immortal going back to his years as, as a caveman, and he has this plot where uh, he's basically sy- systematically taken over the the Kaznian government with his last stroke being uh, marrying into the royal family and then poisoning the king and basically kidnapping uh, Princess Audrey and confiding her to her, her quarters in the castle, whereupon... He uh, makes a speech to the world about where he declares himself ruler of the earth 
And uh, <laughs> if if you if you disagree with him, he's gonna shoot an asteroid at you. So there you go. Uh, yeah, and then it's it's funny because if you watch this, obviously we watched them back to back. But if you watch just part one of this episode, it's just a Batman and Wonder Woman story, and really mostly just a Wonder Woman story, mm-hmm. um, which I which I think is fine because it was it was a good I think they did some good character development for for Diana, but then in part two you sort of sh- squeeze in this subplot of Green Lantern, Flash, and Martian Manhunter going off to rescue the astronauts on the space station because the space station has been taken over by. Uh, evil, uh, evil astronauts. <laughs> um, uh, who yeah, are, who, are, who have t- and they've turned the space station into this giant space railgun that Vandal Savage is using to kind of hold the world hostage. So it it gets a little a little wacky in there at the end. But then of course, uh, Batman, who <laughs> kind of I mean we haven't gotten to certain other episodes, but. And Justice League Batman seems to really have something of a death wish as he uh, at the end, as he can't stop the asteroid from coming to Earth. But he does instead send it directly to the castle where uh, <laughs> where he and Wonder Woman and Vandal Savage and, and everyone are still are still there. So um, they survive. But it's yeah. So it's, so in the end, we get, you know, the, the good guys triumph and. Vandal Savage is, is foiled once again to uh, to show up later on in Hereafter, which we've actually already reviewed, and you can find a review of that in the archives. But I guess I guess we can just get into big picture and give our scores here. I think this is a very kind of weird episode. I I don't mm-hmm. dislike it, but I found it hard to to grade in a way that made sense because part one is such this sort of self-contained small thing. You know, Wonder Woman befriends a princess. There's an attempt on her life. Maybe it's connected to this conspiracy that Batman's investigating. And then in part two, it's asteroid guns and space stations and stuff. And it it just gets, it's almost like, I almost think you could have eliminated the the space gun subplot. I don't know what you would have filled that time with if you did eliminate that part. But it almost you almost could have just done this entire episode with just Wonder Woman and Batman, and it might have been a more like succinct, tight story. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think that that first that first part. Um, doing research here, I read somebody compare the first part to a very James Bond esque type type storyline a lot of you know espionage and there's who's you know who's behind the attacks on on the Kaznian princess and batman and is doing the investigation and wonder woman is sort of you know palling around and doing what she can and then all of a sudden this person that you think is the villain or there they think is the villain you think is the villain but is purporting not to be the villain shows up and <laughs> we quickly learn that he is indeed the villain as we thought And, you know, you sort of have this cliffhanger at the end where it seems that the villain has taken the upper hand. And yeah, and then suddenly episode two or part two, rather, is is very much sci fi and it deals with space and asteroid guns and just a whole bunch of stuff that was very, very odd. Um, I don't disagree with you that, you know, having Green Lantern. It was very sudden, too. All of a sudden, Batman just radios to the Flash up in the Watchtower, 
And it's like, oh, yeah, there are other characters in the <laughs> Justice League besides Batman and Wonder Woman. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so it, it did seem very sudden. And there's like this weird part where Flash gets sucked out into space. Yeah. You think he's dead. Like, it, and you kind of expect there to be like a cliffhanger or maybe Superman was going to show up. I, I I don't know. It was very, very strange. Um, I, I, I like the idea. And of course, we watched these episodes out of order. So, you know, we've already known that the the heroes are aware that Vandal Savage and Hereafter are aware that he's immortal so they aren't surprised superman isn't surprised to see him in the year five billion or whatever it is when he gets flashed into the future yeah but here they really they really they haven't interacted with him they haven't seen him since since that since the savage time and seeing him as as a nazi criminal so seeing him again and and not knowing him if you didn't know that was sort of a surprise but yeah anyway it is it is a weird episode to grade. I really, really liked episode, the first episode and the second episode was kind of like, yeah. Um, so I, I averaged that out to about a seven out of 10 for plot. What about you? Yeah, I ended up a, a little bit, a little bit lower than that. I went five out of 10. Like I said, I, mm-hmm. I, I like it. I like, I like that we got a little more character development with Wonder Woman. I like the interaction between her and Batman that uh, you know this mystery that they get to sort of unravel together but yeah the, the like i said I, for all the reasons we we've, we've just gone over i think that that's that second part just kind of jumbles things and then uh, i i like vandal savage as a character but the part where he's just like demands to be made ruler of the earth was so super friends to me and it it didn't it didn't quite uh, line up with this sort of tactic you know, tactical uh, genius that we saw in, in a savage time. So that it, it just didn't quite feel like the same character to me. Although obviously he's a hundred years older or whatever, or I guess by this point, you know, 70 years older. So maybe he just, the idea is he gets more and more mad as he, as a, you know, or crazy as he gets older. But yeah, I just, I just, I didn't feel like this Vandal Savage coming off, you know, what is such an iconic and, darn near perfect episode in, in savage time to to this guy who's make me king of earth or i will shoot asteroids at you was a, a little bit of a down <laughs> for me it was a little that's that is such a goofy goofy thing i'm gonna shoot asteroids at you <laughs> um there you know what speaking of did you notice that they killed some people in this episode did they yeah i would say it would be safe to I mean, there were some people that floated after the aircraft carrier got hit with the the uh, the asteroid after he uses it for the first time. Yeah. But most most aircraft carriers have pretty big um, staffs. I, I think a lot of people on board. Uh, I gotta say that there's probably some dead people in that that aircraft <laughs> half of that aircraft carrier that sunk. Yeah, you would think there was there would be more than like nine guys working on a ship that size, right? Yeah, and I guess that that sort of makes up for the um, for the uh, amount of pilots that were able to safely eject out of their their <laughs> planes as Batman and Super and uh, Wonder Woman completely destroyed the Kasnian Air Force. But uh, what did it, I guess we can we'll get to it in visuals. We'll we'll talk about it then. But uh, I, the other thing is there was a lot of if you blink and you miss it 
uh, sort of sexual innuendo in this episode. Also, yes. uh, it was man. There was there was a lot of double entendres and stuff that was between stuff that Wonder Woman said and and sort of innocently. And then the Casian princess was not afraid to, uh, you know, play her role as Michael Scott in double entendres in this episode. Yes, they so. really. Uh... They really pushed the limits of that uh, the TVY seven or TVG <laughs> with uh, with some of the stuff that she did and said, including like groping the cameraman and and uh, she had some line about wanting to go out with several bangs if possible. So it was, yep, if it can be arranged, that's what she yes. said. <laughs> it was not subtle by by any means. So yeah, this is this might be at, at least to this point in, in what we've reviewed the most overtly uh, sexual uh, <laughs> uh, content that we've seen on a, on a DCAU cartoon to this point. Since eternal youth. Oh yeah. Oh, come <laughs> Sorry. Thou are in the bad episode jar. I apologize. <laughs> moving <laughs> on to visuals. Yes. Moving on to visuals animation. Great segue. Uh, Liam, I, I gotta be honest. I don't know if it was so I, full disclosure, I watched this episode on the, the DVD copy that we have. We have not obtained this in Blu-ray yet. And uh, because DC Universe doesn't have an app that you can stream from television or PlayStation, uh, I'm just, I'll watch the DVDs. Hey, DC Universe, we love you. In fact, we would love to show for you if you, <laughs> if you wish. Um, can you hook us up and then maybe create an app for Samsung televisions, please? If you're listening, we love you though. Even if you don't, yeah. we'll show for you. Um, anyway, uh, but the animation in this episode, oh man, I hated it. It was real bad. Hmm. Um, every, everybody I felt like seemed very angular, flat. I hated the design of, of the princess. Um, I just kind of hated yeah, Princess Audrey, I, I really hated her her general look. She had like weird cheekbones and her eyes were gigantic. I don't know if she was supposed to look like somebody famous or they were modeling her after somebody. She's like, got that, that Kristen Chenoweth thing. Yeah. Like, but like it, like someone drew a caricature of Kristen Chenoweth. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it was distracting. Um, Vandal Savage looked on model from what I could tell. Uh, it's a little weird seeing uh, Bruce. Bruce in that opening scene, I, I feel like he had, I don't know. Oh, you know what it was? He had dark eyes compared to the new Batman Adventures version of Bruce who had blue eyes. Yes. Uh, the, the Bruce in this had black, like jet black filled pupils, which threw off his look a little bit for me. Um, with that said, that I hated the some of those things some of the character designs i liked uh dr vox i thought was really cool looking yeah he was a neat design looking um his powers visualized were were done really well this is one of the first episodes where i feel like and and maybe we haven't obviously we've not covered all the episodes of season two yet but they started doing those computer animated vehicle designs yeah and there's a lot of vehicles in this episode Mm mm-hmm yeah, I noticed that too, and it was it was striking to me because when I first saw the, I think the first time they showed it, it's the space shuttle, and I was like, wow, I, I didn't realize that they were this early because obviously, uh, you know, we haven't reviewed those yet, but it's very memorable. By the time Justice League Unlimited came around, pretty much all the the ships, the javelins and stuff were all uh, done in CGI, so it doesn't necessarily look that weird. But I didn't remember them doing it this early, and even some of the other early episodes we've watched 
from this season, like uh, you know, Twilight, for instance, the Watchtower or the uh, the Javelin was still uh, still two D animation from my memory. So mm-hmm. this might, in fact, be the first episode uh, or first episodes where we started seeing the digital ships. But I mean, yeah, you have planes, you have the the bat plane, you have the the ships, the javelins. Everything is is CGI uh, as far as vehicles go in this episode. It's some of them looked better than others. Like I thought the bat plane looked good. And I thought the big airplane that uh, Diana's chasing down at the end of, of part one is, is looked pretty good. But then I thought mm-hmm. maybe the space shuttle and the, the all white, I don't know, maybe again, maybe it's just something that where my brain's not used to it. But when I saw the, the regular uh, javelin, the white javelin in CGI mm-hmm. form, it just looked a little weird to me. It looked like the ships in Futurama. If you're yeah. familiar with that, they did all the ships in that, and that world was kind of CGI, and it all, it always kind of looked a little wonky to me. Agreed. Um, I, I thought there were some cool visuals in that second part, too. Of course, we get to see uh, John Jones visualize his powers. He sort of does a Mr. Fantastic type thing to, mm. uh, in the middle of the fight on the, the space station where he sort of elongates and uses his, his powers to wrap up uh, one of the, the evil evil astronauts. Uh, you also got a cool Batman uh, scene where he's they're shooting at him and he runs and he jumps and he kind of has this cape covering his body, does some some cool fighting action there. He hits Vandal Savage with a <laughs> with a chair, a, a computer chair, which is really cool. My, and, my favorite uh, uh, Batman visual in this episode is actually it's pretty early in part one where he's interrogating the not intergang man and uh, <laughs> the the intergang guy is you know is speaking in. I guess Kazian and Correct. you know is, is shouting at Batman. Uh, you can't even understand me, even if I was going to talk. And of course, Batman says, "I do understand it." And Batman begins to speak in this language as well. And yeah. as he he sort of leans in, and his face gets covered by shadow, and then they cut to a close up of the guy's eyes, and you can see the reflection of Batman in his goggles. I thought that was a really cool uh, little visual they did there. Yeah, that was that was spot on. I really like that too. There was one other cool subtle thing that I that I enjoyed. So as we discussed, Diana at the beginning of the episode, she's sort of uh, palling around with Princess Audrey and going to clubs, and she's sort of living this uh, this life of, and experiencing Princess Audrey's life in the public eye. And uh, they're in a club, and the paparazzi shows up and starts taking pictures of them. And Diana actually uses her bracelets to block the flash bulbs <laughs> of of the paparazzi. And I thought it was so subtle and so quick that you would like miss it if you didn't weren't like if you didn't pay attention. But I thought it was just a neat little thing. Like she throws up her bracelets. Usually she's blocking bullets or you know <laughs> missiles or whatever she's using or you know. It, the Dr. Vox's vocal cords or whatever. But in this episode, she also uses it to block flashes for the paparazzi. So uh, multifunctional bracelets. That's there. awesome. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Uh, what did you think of the Vandal Savage body rising from the rubble after he gets impaled by, by the giant asteroid? It's real creepy. Like it, it, the, you know, the, like the, you can see all of the bones sort of jutting out and obviously they can't, they, they didn't want to use blood, uh, but seeing like his fingers and stuff snap back into their sockets and sort of as he slowly turns back and having his hair all disheveled and you can see he's missing teeth and stuff. Like it was, it's a pretty harrowing visual. Like it, 
it might be so wacky that it's a little over the top, but again, for as silly as that second part got, I feel like it it was a pretty fitting end, honestly. Yeah, it it felt good. Of course, we know that that wasn't the last that we'd see of him as we found out later on. But um, yeah, anyway, so overall, I, I didn't love a lot of the character designs and I hated, like I said, I, I hated some of the, the animation as a whole. There were some neat parts to it. Uh, so I ended up giving it a uh, six out of ten. I'm in, I'm in that same ballpark. I went seven out of ten. Uh, only other thing I wanted to mention is as as weird and silly as we mentioned the Flash getting sucked out into space was. I really like liked the sequence where Green Lantern saves him and then sort of is trying to you know make sure he's all right and 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 Flash. We get to see Flash kind of pissed off here which mm-hmm. we almost never get to see in, in this series. So mm-hmm. seeing, you know, getting to see the flash kind of cut loose a little bit and just kind of wreck the rest of the, the guards that are, that are on the space station. I thought that was a really cool sequence. And uh, I, I thought that it was a, it was a cool visualization of uh, some of the flash's power that we don't always get to see. I concur. All right, let's move on to music. Oh man, Liam, uh, first part here had a lot of good music in it, and I say yes. that because basically they just used the the classic Batman theme a whole bunch in it. Uh, <laughs> so I, I appreciated that. Any musical thoughts that you noticed besides the uh, use of the the classic Batman theme? Well, one thing I noticed is with in the addition, as you mentioned, the Shirley Walker Batman theme is, of course, there's you know the theme that plays whenever Wonder Woman appears. And they did a really cool thing, and we've talked about this in other episodes. I don't know if we've talked about it in Justice League episodes before, but where they would, like, interlay the character themes on top of whatever the other music in the scene was. Like, in, in that first sequence where the, where, the th- where the terrorists break in to try to kidnap Audrey, we get sort of, you know, more frantic fight music with, you know, heavy drums and, you know, dramatic dramatic tension and then when wonder woman steps in to do something heroic the wonder woman theme sort of plays on top of it and then it kind of goes back in and when it switches back to the soldiers as they're escaping out of the helicopter the wonder woman theme fades and then when she reappears in front of the helicopter the wonder woman theme plays again they they, i thought they did a lot of cool things they did the same thing with the batman theme throughout the uh throughout part one especially of of sort of melding uh, you know the 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 theme of the episode, the music of the episode. I believe Christopher Carter did the music for this episode, and uh, he he did a really great job of sort of mixing, not just playing the the themes by themselves, but sort of interlaying them on top of the other music of of the episode. And we even got a return of sort of the haunting. Uh, <laughs> theme that played, uh, I believe, when when John was watching the. Uh, propaganda videos of vandal savages rise in the savage time we get a, when he sees his power as silly as that scene got they they that that theme from a savage time returns as he uh, uh sort of explains his evil plot and how close he is to finally uh when he's explaining when he says i you know i i am meant to conquer uh that mm. that savage time theme comes back in and it kind of gave me chills in that moment because again it's you're right in the sense that a lot of this is just reminding us of themes we've already heard before. But again, I, I really liked the way uh, that it was, again, sort of 
mixed in with the other music that you heard in the episode. Yeah, there was also a neat part of this, the uh, first part as the marriage ceremony is going on and Batman and Wonder Woman are fighting the Kaznian army slash Air Force (laughs) and the marriage ceremony is going on inside as Princess Audrey and Vandal Savage are, are being wed. And instead of the classic, I, I guess what they could have done, which is going back and forth between the audio from the wedding and the audio happening outside in the battle, they play both scenes, but the audio stays in the uh, sticking to the wedding ceremony. So you have the vocal or the, the voices, the voiceovers and, and certainly the voice acting and then the classic wedding march being played over top of Wonder Woman and Batman crushing soldiers with trees and the bat crashing the bat plane into a pile of soldiers and <laughs> a whole bunch of other stuff. I thought that was a really neat uh, and I, I guess it's I put it in the music category as opposed to the visuals but I guess it could have gone in in either one of those but I thought that was a really neat trick and sort of kind of married the idea of this of love and war or you know the fact that Vandal Savage uh, marrying Vandal Savage is is going to lead to this type of life that's going to happen then of course the the marriage ceremony is interrupted with a giant tank being thrown through the church but (laughs) Uh, I, I really, really appreciated that. I thought that, that direction. Not, I mean, the music is playing there, so I guess you could have, you could have put it in either. But I ended up leaving it here for this. But I thought that was a, that was a neat, neat, uh, neat, neat way of doing that. Yeah, and I guess that just leaves us with giving our scores. If I didn't mention, I went ahead and I gave music a perfect ten out of ten. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm, I gave it a pretty high score. I'm, I'm right there. I gave it an eight out of ten. Um, I think it drops off a little bit in that second half. Um, there wasn't wasn't as much opportunity there. There is still music there, uh, but I, I I feel like it was definitely stronger in the first episode and a little bit of a letdown in the second episode. But still, a very strong score. So that will bring us to our final category of the day, Liam, which is voice acting. And we have a lot of interesting cameos in this week's episode. Can't wait to go to the rundown. We have uh, some some returning favorites and then, of course, a few memorable and certainly well-known characters as well. Well, I think it's funny looking at the cast for this episode. It's it's really wild, as you mentioned, some of the people that play major roles. But even if you look at some of the the background voices that we heard Two of them, one being Corey Burton, who doesn't even really play a named character in this episode, but is 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 there the you know Brainiac and and several other characters throughout the DCAU. The goat. Uh, yes. Also, also Jennifer Hale, who later on is going to play Giganta and Killer Frost, among others, mm. uh, is also kind of doing background voices. <laughs> so even our even our our bit players here are are you know insanely talented voice actors. But yeah, speaking of some of the people that uh, are actually sort of more integral to the plot. Um, we have Larry Drake playing Colonel Vox, who uh, most famously was probably on. He was on L.A. Law, and for for us probably most famously, he played Pops on Johnny Bravo, the guy <laughs> who owned the uh, the diner or whatever that Johnny Bravo was always hanging out with. Um, uh, I thought he did again. He doesn't do very much. It's again his his stuff is as you mentioned in visuals mostly just. He's mostly a visual character, but it's fun to have him in there. And then in a weird twist of fate, uh, the the minister 
who is officiating uh, Princess Audrey and Vandal Savage's wedding is Dan Castellaneta, who you may not know <laughs> that name off the top of your head, but uh, it's Homer Simpson. Yep. Homer Simpson is the minister doing a bad fake Russian accent in this this random scene. <laughs> and it was so funny because I heard it and I was like, man, that name, that voice sounds familiar. Who is that? And it's an instantly recognizable voice because if you ever yes. watch any episodes of The Simpsons, I mean, usually he plays multiple characters besides Homer, but it's clear. I mean, and he's done other bits. He's been on, you know, he's been he's also a character actor and been in other guest art on other things as well and bit parts. Yes. But he, yeah, he, the voice itself, you're like, holy crap, that's Homer Simpson doing <laughs> bit part where he has five lines to deliver as a minister. Yeah. That which just blew your mind. And then speaking of weird mind blowing cameos as a, as Audrey's father, the King of Kaznia, Alfred Molina, who, uh, <laughs> You may remember as, as as Doc Ock in the Tobey Maguire Spider Man films, or yep. uh, you know any of his other numerous roles. A uh, great great stage and screen actor, um, a really talented man. But again, he's he maybe has four lines, and uh, he's he's there as sort of a plot device to be poisoned by by Vandal Savage. But uh, yeah, some yeah. some really. Incredible talent uh, in this episode, who all all for the most part playing minor roles, and uh, and then moving on to the last guest star uh, before we get to our main Justice League cast, we had uh, Dory Barton as as Princess Audrey, who is interesting. I was looking up her IMDb. She's she's done a lot of like one episode guest stars on on various shows, mm-hmm. but has very little other than a stint on the the soap opera one life to live does has didn't have a lot of like recurring roles on, on things so i it was hard to find like interesting imdb trivia but this uh, but this woman of all of the the talented and tenured actors on the show she's kind of the big guest star as, as the episode uh, you know other than wonder woman herself she's probably you know the, the character with the most screen time of anyone yeah, yeah, and I think she she does a fine job. I mean, I think the the voice acting as a whole uh, is 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 solid. It's pretty solid in this episode. Of course, we also have Phil Morris returning as a Vandal Savage for the third episode that we've reviewed. But at this point in the in the in the continuity or in the episode order, was only his second appearance. And as I said, I think I like him when he's the calculated, uh, you know, calm psycho and less when he starts talking about his rail gun and his plot <laughs> to be king of the world um, <laughs> tough but fair but uh, I, th- I mean overall i think he does a good job and then of, of course we have our main justice league cast phil lamar is green lantern michael rosenbaum is the flash and carl lumbly is martian manhunter as we mentioned in in the other categories very small roles for all of them to play i think uh, michael rosenbaum does a good job he probably has the most to do as he, he, you know, has to deal with a few different emotions, like getting shot into space and, and things like that. So <laughs> he probably has the most. Uh, and then the, you know, our, our two real main leads of the episode, as far as our, our main cast go, are of course Kevin Conroy as Batman and Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman. And as you mentioned at the start of the show, Cal, 
this is a other than maybe a, a a sort of a brief moment shared in the the first Grodd episode. This feels like the first major uh, hashtag Wonderbat. Uh, this, this this is that's how you feed. You know, this is the first time that 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 uh, that shipping community really got something they could sink their teeth into uh, for the first time in a while here. And I, I really liked the the sort of playful back and forth between them in, in the first scene when when they're dancing at, as Bruce Wayne, and even even one of the scenes later as as she's talking to to Batman on the radio and then they flash to, I guess, what is Bruce Wayne's uh, hotel room. And he's just in the Bruce, in his Bruce Wayne clothes, just talking as, as Batman, which is always kind of a fun visual thing to see. And I, I, I like seeing Kevin Connery being able to dust off. It's not quite the, the over the top high Bruce Wayne voice from the original Batman, the animated series, certainly by new Batman adventures time. He had kind of toned down that, uh, that, that, over-the-top voice, but you still get to see him uh, sort of flex his muscles a little bit and do do the Bruce voice for uh, probably at this point in the series the first time that we've actually seen Bruce Wayne himself. Um, we've only really seen Batman, uh, right. so getting getting to see or getting to hear him do the do uh, reprise his his other voice, his Bruce Wayne voice was cool, and yeah, and then I, I think Susan Eisenberg is is really really good, and obviously she's. Uh, Wonder Woman's the main focus of the episode, so she needed to be good and interesting. And I, and again, I like we always say it when we talk about the marks of a good episode is that at the end of it, it feels like the characters involved are kind of in a different place than they were at, sure. the, at that beginning of it, and ending it at sort of as we began with Wonder Woman basically telling Batman that she knows he's Bruce Wayne, and yeah. Uh, and then her demanding he take her dancing, uh, I thought it was a really sweet, cute little way to end it. So, uh, Agreed. yeah, I thought for the most part, voice acting was really great. Like I said, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't in love with Phil Morris as, as Vandal Savage in this episode. Again, I, I would blame that more on the plot than on his, on anything he necessarily did with delivery. Um, so I, I gave voice acting a, a strong eight out of 10. What about you? Uh, I went nine out of ten. Uh, I thought it was very strong. I didn't have as much a problem with Phil Morris as Vandal Savage. I think he has such an iconic voice, and I think we talked about it. We've definitely talked about it in the prior two episodes, both Savage Time and Hereafter, which you can hear in the archives at dcaureview.com. But, uh, you know, he, he has such a commanding voice, and it's that calm undertone and sinister type type voice. And I, I think... You're right. Maybe he wasn't done a whole a whole lot of favors with the dialogue that he was given <laughs> in this episode. Of, you know, his real gun that's going to make him the leader of the world. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I think that his performance was still strong. And I, of course, you know, Kevin Conroy and Susan Eisenberg carried this episode. And uh, yeah, Susan Eisenberg really got a chance to shine in this a lot. And we get to... You know, I, I think in the episodes we've covered thus far, as you mentioned, it hasn't been a whole lot of Susan Eisenberg. And, and even then, maybe maybe not her best performances and maybe not maybe just not given the chance to shine. Not that she was detrimental yeah. or bad, but it's not really given a chance to show much range or emotion. And in this episode, you know, she gets to flex her muscle. She shows the fun side, like you said, the teasing of Bruce at the end, also expressing concern to princess Audrey when she finds out that Vandal Savage is who he is, the anger that, that comes out of her when she first sees Vandal Savage is really, really good. Yes. 
Um, it's like a controlled anger. It's not a, it's not a loose cannon, but it's, you know, it's a controlled, controlled anger. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think having the, the supporting cast of all those people uh, in their bit parts was actually really strong and really, really shored this up. And then, then you have Corey Burton, of course, who we can't go an episode without talking that he's in. <laughs> he played like nine voices in yes. the first eight minutes. So, uh, you know, dude's great. And uh, and even you know the even the the thrown in Carl Lumley and and Phil Lamar and Michael Rosenbaum, I you know I, I felt like that they did a did a strong were strong in in their roles as well. So yeah, I, I gave it a nine out of ten because I, I you know I think it's pretty strong, and uh, yeah, I, I think that will lead us to our final scores. I guess Liam, uh, totaling everything up here, I want to make sure that I got everything totaled up here. Well, why don't you total up your scores? What'd you get? Yeah, so all things considered, it looks like I have a final score of 30 out of 40. And I have a very, very, very similar, in fact, the same score, 30 out of 40. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know. Generally, as we, as we remember, I don't, I don't think we agreed on like a single uh, individual nope. score, and yet somehow we still ended up with the, the same final score, so... <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, man, just as a reminder, we don't discuss our scores, of course, before we go on the air. Uh, we like to keep that a secret, but uh, we are related. So sometimes <laughs> sometimes the scores and oftentimes the scores come out the same. So uh, if you're interested in hearing episodes where we disagreed on scores, check the archives at DCAUreview.com. There's a few in there. Yeah, one or two. But yeah, I think we can we can kind of ra- as we're wrapping up here, just mention rewatchability. I mean, obviously, the Vandal Savage character does come back, and this does go into his origins. So, if you're looking for like best of uh, best of the best, I would say it's not a must watch, but I do think it it like we said, it is a fun Wonder Woman story. If you're looking for something, uh, maybe well, to whet your appetite while you're while you're waiting for the for the the next Gal Gadot live action movie to come out. Uh, you you could do worse than this episode, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a must watch either. Even with the uh, the fun plot and and the Vandal Savage origin reveal, not yeah, not a must watch. I think that one of the things I did not mention as we were introing this is we did talk about it before we went on the air. Was just that I don't remember this episode a whole lot when I watched <laughs> it tonight. It was. Uh, I don't think this is one that we had we had recorded off of off of Toonami or Cartoon Network, so it's not one that we saw over and over again. Maybe watched it once or twice when the DVDs came out, but had no real recollection of most of the story, and frankly didn't miss it. <laughs> so I think that tells you right there that it's not a must watch. Um, I think that with Vandal Savage's appearance later on, he just kind of explains that he's immortal in that episode too, in case you forgot. So it's really not a must watch. If you, sure, if you want to, if you want to get the full anthology of the wonder bat storyline, or you just want to watch a good wonder woman episode then by all means go for it. Uh, but it's not a, it's not must see TV by any, by any means. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, Liam, let's wrap up here then. With that, thank you everybody for listening to this week's episode of the DCAU Review. Don't forget to check us out on your favorite podcast streaming service, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your your podcast. You can also find it at DCAUreview.com where you can break things down by category. If you want to check out those other Vandal Savage episodes, you can find those all broken down by category. You can also check out... 
our Twitter page, Liam, that you do such a great job of running. I know you've had some polls up there recently. We've been tweeting about the exciting live action Crisis on Infinite Earths that has been uh, on the CW recently. So lots of exciting stuff going on over there. People can also follow us at DCA Review on Instagram. You can check out, we usually have a preview clip that's posted on Wednesdays on our Instagram. So check that out. Uh, anything else, Liam? Oh, how about this? I know what we could do. Why don't you give a little <laughs> sneak peek of next week's episode of the DCAU Review? Absolutely. Well, as you all may be aware or not, we are in the month of December. The holidays are just about upon us. And so for our final episode before Christmas, actually, it's a couple days before Hanukkah as well. So we're, we're in all podcast here. Uh we will be reviewing the the absolute classic. I cannot wait to revisit this episode. Uh, Justice League. We're sticking with Justice League season two. Comfort and joy coming at you next weekend. Oh boy, I cannot wait for this. Some classic lines uh, that are just we still repeat to this day. That I, I can't wait. Can't wait to review. So that is going to be fun. So that will wrap us up for this week's episode. I'm Cal, and I'm Liam, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the DCAU Review. Bye-bye.